Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Yeah, or happy days off work, you know. Happy Yule time. Whatever makes you happy right now in this winter. I'm very cold. I'm back in Pennsylvania, and I'm very, very cold all the time. It is 80 degrees in Los Angeles today. We are having very different experiences of winter right now. We are. (laughs) Winter, I hardly knew her. (laughs) But we have a very special Christmas episode for you guys today. We're talking about a family of creatures. They're a little like Krampus. I feel like a lot of people have heard of Krampus. Um, He's gone a little mainstream. In case you don't know, he's the German half-man, half-goat, Santa Claus, Antichrist, sidekick, who uh, punishes naughty children by dragging them to hell. He's cool, but he's mainstream now. Yeah, he's uh, cramping our style. Oh my god. Because we try to do creatures that are a little less well-known. I've even gotten to a Krampus parade in New Orleans. If there's a parade, Nola's got one, and there is one for Krampus. Yeah, if there's something weird, if there's something spooky, Nola's like, I'm on it, bitch. Well, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite things to talk about, uh, spooky ladies. Hell yeah. Well, this one might be beyond spooky. She's pretty monstrous. Monstrous ladies, even better. So many of us know or have heard of the word Yule. It's an old English Germanic word that essentially describes the midwinter holidays. Things like loved ones getting together to dine and celebrate. And Yule evolved into the modern Christmas. Iceland's version of Yule is a little darker than the others. <laughs> the earliest celebrations were not only a time to bring loved ones together, but also a little like Halloween, because the loved ones could be living or dead, and magical spooky creatures also came out to play. And this week's creature might be the scariest of them all, especially for Icelandic children. This week, we're talking about Gryla, the Christmas witch. She's a horrifying monster with a taste for naughty children who comes down from the mountains during Yuletide to abduct said children and cook them into a stew. Well, for this episode, we're not just talking about Gryla, but her entire family and her little cat, too. Yeah. But let's start with the lovely lady of the mountains first. Of course. So Gryla, whose name loosely translates to Growler, is one of the oldest mythical creatures in Icelandic folklore and one of the most evil. Stories of her began as oral accounts, but written references in historic sagas and poems throughout the region date back to the 1300s. However, she didn't become associated with Christmas until the 17th century. Originally, she was a giantess that lived in the mountains that could terrorize the people anytime she pleased. She was basically a personification of the threat of winter and darkness and the snow taking over the land. She was seen as controlling the mountains because Icelandic people thought of themselves as tenants to the mythical creatures that controlled their harsh environment. So when poems started to associate her with Christmas specifically rather than just winter in general, Gryla changed from a giantess to a monstrous matriarch of a sadistic and deadly family. And they all had their own agendas for wrecking havoc during the holiday season. I feel like that's most families. Everyone's everyone's got to do something to ruin the holiday season. You got the drunk uncle. Your mom and her sister are fighting again. Mm-hmm. You and your sister might be fighting. The aunt is calling out people. Your cousin is into Minecraft and Minecraft only. only. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So Gryla is hideous and often massive. While she's been called an ogress, giantess, and troll, actual depictions of her kind of vary. One poem says that she has 15 tails, each of which holds 100 bags or balloons with 20 children each bag. Other rhymes describe eyes in the back of her head, ears that hang so long that they hit her in the nose, a matted beard, blackened teeth and hooves. But she's most often depicted with many tails, usually 15, possibly held aloft, horns, a beard, and overall hag-like appearance. Is she single? <laughs> she sounds delectable. <laughs> I like hag. Hag is a fun word to say, and I think we should reclaim hag. Agreed. So, Gryla lives in a cave in the mountains with her family, and stays there all year until Yule season. Like Santa Claus, she has the ability to watch children all year round and detect the naughty ones. So when Yuletide comes around, she comes down to the towns to gather up the naughty kids to make into a delicious stew. One poem goes, Down comes Gryla from the outer fields with forty tails, a bag on her back, a sword, knife in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of children who cry for meat during Lent. So beautiful. Such a beautiful poem. Yeah, truly. I mean, really brings tears to the eyes. People have written songs about me and none of them are like that. Honestly, people have written songs about me and I didn't have a sword knife in them. I think that should be remedied. <laughs> Write a song about me with a sword. Bring me the sword knife. The sword knife. So Gryla's appetite for the flesh of ill-behaved kids is absolutely insatiable, and she always finds more than enough to feed her. The giant stew she cooks them into will keep her and her family full and happy till the next winter. We respect a meal prep queen. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But speaking of her family, let's talk about them. So Gryla has a bit of a Black Widow status, She's been married three times, but has a tendency to get bored with her husbands, which obviously we can't blame her for. Zelda Fitzgerald once wrote, she refused to be bored chiefly because she wasn't boring. That was actually my senior yearbook quote. And Zelda, Zelda was named after Zelda Fitzgerald. I was, I was named after this Zelda Fitzgerald, not the game. Not the game, sorry. They're both cool women named Zelda, <laughs> but senior yearbook quote. But the reason why I bring that quote up is, so when Gryla got bored, she made her own fun. Yeah, as you should. Because she's not boring, yeah. So she cooked and ate her first husband, Gooster. Mm -hmm. Then she just flat out murdered Bully, her second husband. And it's also said that she may have had dozens of kids with the first two husbands, though those kids are barely mentioned anymore. But at least that means she had a little bit of fun with them before they got boring to her. It's called making the best out of a bad situation, in my personal opinion. And she did it. She did it. But nowadays, she's wed to a pathetic troll-like guy named Lepaludi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Lepaludi. Lepaludi. So Lepaludi is pretty much a lazy fat fuck who mostly stays at home. Gryla is the one who goes out to capture and kill the kids. He just helps cook them into a stew. She's often shown beating and berating her husband, so he lives in fear of her. It's kind of like lions, where the guy lions look scary, but they just kind of like, you know, sit at home and they're boring. It's the women who go out and hunt. Yeah. It's a powerful woman, weak men. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, every American TV show is like, oh yeah, this is the dumb, lazy, fat fuck husband and the wife. Who's like a monster and a bitch. She's super hot, but she she's a bitch though. Yeah, she's a bitch. Love feminism. Um, <laughs> if you're wondering why she stays with another seemingly boring guy, honestly, so am I. Maybe he's a really good cook, but my best guess, 
is that it's because of their children. Lepaludi and Gryla had some pretty famous children called the 13 Yule Lads, who are mischievous old pranksters. More on the kids later. The final member of her family is the Yule Cat, a gigantic black cat who's a bit of a capitalistic fashion snob that comes down from the mountain to eat anyone who doesn't have on or receive new clothes. Icon. An icon, but not Gryla though. Like, Gryla dresses in rags and that cat gives her a pass. But Zelda has a lot more to say on the Yule Cat. You know I love talking about pussy. <laughs> There it is. There you go, Emma. <laughs> the Yule Cat is said to be Gryla's pet, and it's not your common house cat. Bigger than houses with long, sometimes black, shaggy fur and demonic eyes that are said to be lit from within, the Yule Cat stalks the streets at night, peering into windows looking for its next snack. Children who have not been gifted new clothes for Christmas may find themselves at the mercy of this horrifying beast. The Yule Cat is also said to be an ancient folklore creature, but Sources can only definitively link it to sometime in the 19th century. There's a famous poem by Johannes Urkutlum, who is a beloved Icelandic poet and was a member of parliament, Ooh. written in 1932 about this fearsome feline. And it's way too long to read all of it, so here's just the, like my little favorite bits that I think encapsulate this. You all know the Yule Cat, and that cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from. Or where he went. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers, sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow. In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, <laughs> something evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he hunted men, but didn't care for mice. Maybe it rhymes in the original language. This was an English translation, but yeah. still pretty horrifying, pretty haunting, spooky. Oh yeah, definitely. I would be very frightened to see a massive cat with glowing eyes. Yeah. Like, and I fucking love cats, but I'd be like, okay, I won't try to pet you. <laughs> Actually, I probably would. I'd go up to it and be like, I got new clothes. These socks. They're from Urban Outfitters. Psst, psst. <laughs> exactly. So the author of the poem is particularly popular for the melodic way he utilized language, and many of his poems have been turned into songs, including this one. Mm. Most famously, it was sung by international superstar Bjork oh my God. in 1987. Yes. So if you're looking to expand your Christmas uh, Spotify playlist, we'd recommend it. It's also on our Spotify playlist um, that we have for Across the Veil, which you can listen to if you have Spotify. It's a time. Yeah. Is it squonk level? No, I say squonk level is a vibe for all times. I say this is, you've had a cup of eggnog, you've had two glasses of wine, and you're having a nightcap, and you think, hmm, we are all shwasty. <laughs> What's going to get us in the uh, the mood for some chaos? I love it. So while I was doing research, I thought there was two questions that I had about the Yule Cat. One was, why is that a cat? And B, why do we tell the stories of the Yule Cat? So we'll start with A. Cats are much more popular than dogs in Iceland. So much so that in 1924, keeping dogs as pets was actually banned in Iceland. Jeez. Well, this isn't the case today. Potential pooch owners still have to get special permits and register their canine companions and comply with strict laws and regulations to own a dog. Cats, however, have a long history in Iceland. Biologists and ecologists theorize that cats came to Iceland with early settlers between the years 870 and 930. They were very popular for their rodent control and their fur, which was even used as currency at one point. They were skinning cats? For the fur. 
Sad. Continue. They were also trading cats. Like, cats were money. Like, you could, like, give somebody a cat for, like, money. Kitty currency. Kitty currency. Cute. If you've ever seen a Norwegian forest cat, you know these babies are capital F fluffy. They're huge. They're much bigger than normal cats, and they're just so fluffy, um, which makes sense because they live in a cooler climate. Cats are also really important in Norse mythology because of their associations with the goddess Freya, who is sometimes depicted in a chariot pulled by her cats. Mm. Freya is also a major goddess associated with love, beauty, war, fertility, and magic, so associating her with cats gives a major street cred. This is an opinion that I had while researching and learning about cats, but I feel like out of all animals, cats are the least likely to be Republicans. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if cats could vote, most wouldn't, but... They're definitely socially liberal. It would be rare for a cat to vote, in my opinion. But they wouldn't be Republicans. Fuck no. They're associated with women and the devil. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. At the worst, they'd be like libertarians, you know? (laughs) Cats are libertarians. Yes. I think that's the hottest take that we've had (laughs) on this podcast. They're all just Ron Swanson. I agree with that. I'm not wrong. No, you're not. Cats are libertarians. Mm-hmm. So the Yule Cat was mostly used as a cautionary tale, and if you think it's weird that he ate people who didn't get new clothes for the holidays, there's actually a really interesting social explanation. So processing wool that was collected animals from the autumn was very important in Icelandic societies, and it was a really time-consuming process, but it was one that the entire family could contribute to. If the wool was not ready by winter, many families would go cold, and cold in Iceland does not sound like a fun wintertime experience. <laughs> The legendary Yule Cat was most likely conceived as a way to get lazy children to work hard and finish their chores so that the family could stay warm that year. And I think getting eaten by a giant cat is a great incentive to do your chores. Solid incentive. Alternate versions of the Yule Cat story say that if you're generous with your gifts of clothing, you would also be spared, which is why it was common for employers to gift their workers new clothes or shoes as a reward for a hard year of work. Hmm. So I would say the 2020 version of this tradition would be something like, you know, cultural icon Carol Baskin saying, Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, do your chores or I'll feed you to my tigers like I did my husband. (laughs) Man, throwback to the first phase of quarantine. Horrifying. All right, so let's round out the Gradle gang with the Yule Lads. Yeah, let's talk about our kids. They're the 13 sons of Gryla and Lepaludi, and they are wildly mischievous. The boys have had quite a journey. Like many traditional folklore characters, the Yule Lads have appeared in many stories and many different iterations. According to sources, the Yule Lads existed separately from Gryla at one point. It's said that there were around 82 of them, depending on the time and location. Yikes. That's a lot of lads. Uh, And were more like elves or spirits. They ranged from pranksters to homicidal monsters, and like Gryla, were used to frighten children. The lads were tied to Gryla around the 17th century, in a poem, obviously, and eventually were condensed into the 13 boys we're going to talk about today, who are the most common Yule lads. So we made this decision based on a recommendation from the National Museum of Iceland, where they cite a poem from the book Joel and Coma, Christmas is Coming, by Johannes Erkotlum, you know, the same guy who wrote about the Yule cat, published in 1932 as the most popular version of the Yule lads and the one most modern Icelanders would know. So each one of the 13 lads correspond to the 13 days of Christmas, Starting on the 12th of December, the Yule Lads would come down one by one from the mountains to visit children and households. Each one has their own wicked little task, and I'm not 
calling them fetishes, but like I'm not not calling them fetishes. You guys will hear, you can make your own decision. We're also gonna be using the English translations of the names based on Halberg Halmanson's translation of the poem because there are 13 of them and the majority of our audience is English speaking. And we can't and say them. We don't know how. We're so, Yeah, we cannot wrap our tongues around them. So here's the English versions. So unlike the 12 days of Christmas that we're used to in the United States, Christmas time in Iceland lasts 26 days from the 11th of December till January 6th, which is also known as Twelfth Night. Despite being an awesome Shakespearean comedy that Emma and I have done scenes from, Hell yeah. Twelfth Night is also referred to as Epiphany Eve and is a celebration of the day the Magi visited the baby Jesus. Traditionally, Twelfth Night is celebrated with a suspension of rules and social order. Yes! Sounds like a party with me. <laughs> Starting on the first night, the lads come one by one till the 24th. The first lad is Sheep Coat Claude. He harasses sheep, though his stiff peg legs can get in the way of that. Next is Gully Gawk. He hides in the gullies, which are little ravines made by water, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into cow sheds and steal milk. I cannot relate. I am allergic to milk. Next, there's Stubby, a tiny boy, as he's abnormally short. But that doesn't stop him from stealing pans to eat the crust left on them. After him is Spoon Licker, which is kind of self-explanatory. He steals wooden spoons to lick. But apparently, this is sad, the spoons are not great sources of nutrition, leaving him extremely thin and malnourished. Tragic. Next is Pot Licker, also self-explanatory. He steals leftovers from pots, which I totally get. Then, Bowl Licker. He hides under beds waiting for someone to put their bowl down, which he then steals. Then, there's Door Slammer. He likes to slam doors, especially during the night, which reminds me of a certain demonic girl Zelda was forced to live with that I almost got into a fistfight with, but I digress. Zelda, you're up. Well, next up, we've got the Scare Gobbler, who loves scare, which is similar in taste and texture to Greek yogurt, usually served cold with milk and a little bit of sugar. Then we've got the Sausage Swiper, who hides in the house rafters to steal sausages that are being smoked. Dangerous job, if they're getting smoked, like he's real, and he's up there, he's Spider-Man. <laughs> then we've got Window Peeper, which is a fetish. Uh, they look through people's windows, searching for things to steal. So I know it's a huge fear of mine. Yeah, I'm so scared of that. Like I'm really afraid of like people looking through my window. Literally one of my deepest fears is that I'm gonna look at a window and just see a face there. Horrifying. I would not be able to get through that. Uh, next up we've got the doorway sniffer. They've got a big nose, which they use to sniff out leaf bread, which is also called snowflake bread. It's a traditional Christmas time snack. They're thin cakes decorated with geometric designs that have been fried. Then we've got meat hook. Jesus Christ. Which kind of sounds like an unsuccessful serial killer, but actually they just have a hook and they use it to steal meat. <laughs> Fair. And finally, the last lad is Candle Stealer, who follows children to steal their candles, which traditionally would be made with tallow, which is animal fat and therefore was edible. Yum, love that. Mm -hmm. Then comes Gryla. Yeah, mommies, mommies, bring them the rear. Here. During these 26 days of Christmas, children sometimes will place shoes on their windowsills. Tradition dictates that if they're good, the shoes will be filled with candy and naughty children get rotting potatoes. December 24th, Christmas Eve, is the night the Yule Lads are all together. But the Yule Lads used to be much spookier and more wicked. Even though Christmas brought Gryla and her family together, it also tried to wipe them out. In 1746, an official ban was placed on telling stories of these guys and Gryla because the parents were scaring their kids too much. They've definitely become tamer over the centuries. They even became santified in the 20th century, when the American Santa became more prolific. 
which fun fact his image with like the beard and the red coat was created by coca-cola just to sell more coca-cola so the yule lads were fattened up given white bushy beards and even the classic red and white fur costumes they also began to leave presents to nice children and rotting potatoes to the naughty ones so they basically became iceland's version of santa claus but Gryla stayed evil, though. Yeah, girl gotta stay evil. Cannot sanctify her. Good news, the spookier version of the Yule Ads and stories of Gryla are making a creepy comeback. Iceland as a whole, led by the National Museum of Iceland, have worked to return the Yule Ads to their pre-Santa looks. Think ragged brown and black 17th century clothes, like those spooky vibes. And bring back evil Christmas. Thank God. The characters even appear in person, with adults dressing up like them, and images of Gryla have even appeared on floats to entertain children. But let's talk about why these violent and somewhat horrific stories about Gryla and her family are told in the first place. So Gryla sends the same message to kids as Santa does when he gives them coal. Behave if you want a nice Christmas. But the brutal delivery of that message says a lot about life in Iceland. Icelandic winters are incredibly dangerous, especially for early settlers. And even now, when compared to America or England, if children are disobedient and say, go out at night during winter, they might never come home. So to keep them safe, they had to use fear as a tactic. There was also a lot of work that needed to get done, requiring extra diligence and effort from all the members of the family. So making children believe that there's a real threat out there keeps both them and their families safe. And fear, honestly, is kind of a better motivator than coal. True. Additionally, the characteristics of the Yule Lads may be reminders that people should take care of scarce food in the winter. The terrifying legends teach children bravery and resilience in the face of adversity, helping them learn to live successfully in such difficult conditions. You know, they even appear in modern media. In the 2018 Christmas episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, called Midwinter's Tale, these characters terrorize the main cast on Christmas. Well, Yule season. Uh, it's kind of inaccurate. It's like hella inaccurate. The Yule lads are, they're invisible and they do poltergeisty yeah. stuff like make a dead body walk and like they steal knives and such. Like that ain't it. They did not do their research or they did and they decided like, meh, we don't need to use it. We're gonna uh, CW this and we're just gonna take it and uh, ruin it. And completely ruin it with like these 15 year olds that are actually 26. I don't understand why we can't set more media in college. I know, like literally, like I don't wanna watch high schoolers doing these things. Like I don't- I don't wanna watch 16 year olds have sex, like that are played by 26 year olds having sex. Like we can I just don't. Like, Put them in college. Put them in college. And like college is way more dramatic. So much more dramatic. Are you kidding me? Also, it makes more sense that like, because people in high school in these shows never go to classes and like in college you- In like, college you can just skip. Yeah. And like, you don't have to have parent characters. Exactly. Like, you don't like have to think about like, oh, what if you're not home because you're hunting ghosts? It's you're in college. You're making your own schedule. Zelda and I are coming for the high school tropes. Yeah, we're coming for the high school tropes. And we're going to destroy them with college. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Anyways, that's Anyways, yeah. Gryla and her family. Yeah. We hope you have a lovely Yule with you and yours. Mm -hmm. And we hope you're not tormented by the Yule lads, but uh, if your sausages get stolen, it's probably me. <laughs> it was probably Zelda. If you were a Yule lad, if, what Yule lad would you be? I would probably be... <laughs> I'd probably be Bolicker, um, because I eat in bed. I think I might be candle stealer just because love those candles. Yeah, I also have a lot of candles, but I'm not I'm not bad at munching them. But you do you. I think they got tasty smells. So I won't be tasty. <laughs> Logically, I know, but illogically. It's the forbidden forbidden treat. 
forbidden treats candle wax <laughs> all right before we end this episode we've got a promo from our good friends over at station arcadia we'd love if you check them out they are fantastic and very cool the station arcadia podcast tells stories from a dystopian world where diesel punk steampunk cyberpunk and solarpunk societies all exist side by side these diverse stories are told through a radio station on a shifting island and given voice by the station's host Cassandra. Did that man just try to offer jerky as a consolation prize for someone's daughter? Woven through each standalone story are threads that come together to tell the story of a revolution and hope in the face of a dying world. I understand enough. The revolution still has hope and I want to help. Breaks in the narration bring us on site to each society, where we hear four unique and powerful stories. Stop squirming. I can lift myself through the window. Let me just... Uh. Ow. Station Arcadia broadcasts Fridays at 9am Pacific Time. Transcripts and additional information are available at stationarcadia.com. Remember, listeners, stay safe, stay moving, and stick close. You've been listening to Station Arcadia, the promo. One more thing, in the spirit of holidays and giving... Emma and I have decided to move down to a $1 a month Patreon tier. So for just $1 a month, you get access to special privileges like extra spots in our Discord community. Whatever we don't have time to share in an episode, we'll share with our Patreon members. Yes, there's going to be lots of cool special little things for you guys and you'll be supporting us. But for now, we're done. So we'll see you guys next time across the van.